Praise God. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me this morning to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Praise God. Matthew chapter 7. And I want to share a message entitled, Unauthorized Road Construction. Which to me in the city of Chicago, every road construction is unauthorized. Nobody asked me to get my approval to work on the roads. Yesterday we were headed out to uh, see my wife's cousin who had flown in just for the day. Uh, He's from Argentina, was up up on business in Indianapolis, flew from Indianapolis to Chicago. And almost all the way out to Belvedere, there was one form of construction or another. And, you know, the lanes get narrowed down and they have things split off. And, you know, you get behind somebody who's going, well, they're going a little slower than what I like to go. And uh, not that I have a lead foot or anything, but, you know, they were going a little slower. But you're stuck for miles and miles. And I thought, you know, they they didn't pass this by my desk for my approval. Uh, you know that in this city, road, there, as they say, there are two seasons, winter and road construction. And that's essentially what happens. Soon as spring and summer occurs, there, are, there is construction. And I remember uh, years ago traveling, this was when I uh, was just dating my wife at the time, and I was in Rhode Island, she was here, and there, I mean, I was, I was going to take a few days, leave Rhode Island, come out here, drive out here. And I was driving. Everything was basically fine until I hit the south side of the city. And it was when they were making the express lanes on the Kennedy going into the loop and uh, headed into downtown. And the construction, it took me two hours to get from the south side up to the north side. And I thought, this is just something fundamentally wrong about this. Uh, it, it's, for us, it's unauthorized. But nonetheless, the city says, go ahead, it's got to be done. And it gets done, much to our dismay, those of us who have to drive different places in the city. You learn eventually to avoid it. But there is another kind of road construction that is going on today that... For God, it is unauthorized. He didn't authorize this particular kind of road construction. And it is this. There are, the Bible lets us know, there are only two ways that you can go. There is a narrow way and there is a wide way. Increasingly, it seems as though there are those in the church and outside of the church both are now seemingly going to the narrow road and saying, this is just too narrow. We've got to widen this a bit. This road is just too confining for us. I want you to read the words of Jesus. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. 
For those who think, you know, the majority can't be wrong, be very careful. Jesus said that many enter through this wide gate and follow along this wide road. Verse 14 says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus said there are only two roads. One is wide and the other is narrow. And sadly, in the, even in the church today, there are those who would look at the narrow road and they would say, wait a minute, this road is much too narrow for us. We've got to widen it. We've seen a number of things over the last few years within the church and even more recently, the idea that certain doctrines are in fact too narrow for the narrow road. And so what we do is we try to widen, people have tried to do this, they've tried to widen the narrow road. They don't want to go down the wide path because there's too much bad junk on the wide path. I mean, it's, you know, it's where all the addictions are. It's where all the, you know, the, 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 all the evil that we see in the world, that's, we don't want to go on that road. But we just, all of a sudden now, people are beginning to think that this narrow road is just still too narrow. You see, God is the one who has said this. Jesus came to this earth and He is the one who preached this Sermon on the Mount. And as He is winding up in this Sermon on the Mount, He's the one who said this. I am, I am tired of, of, of all of the, the liberal press and the, the media and the world just kind of saying, well, you Christians, you're just, you know, you're just making it all up and it's just what you want. No, no, no. What we're trying to do is fall in line with what God has said. Not what we're making up as we go along. There are people who are trying to widen it. The question is, how do they try to widen this narrow road? And if we know how it's done, we can also steer clear of ourselves also getting caught up in trying to do that kind of thing. We cannot allow ourselves as believers to look at the words of Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, but you know what? It's just still a a little too narrow for me. How is it done? Well, one of the first ways that it's done is this, is that we adopt the world's view of the narrow road. Well, what is the world's view? When we adopt the world's view of the narrow road, it is this. Their first view is it's too confining. The world's view is that the narrow road isn't all-inclusive enough. It is so exclusive that only a few can walk on it. Well, that's not what Jesus said. And a lot of times we begin to think, well, you know, it's, it's only a few. And not everybody is going to be saved. There are those... Uh, who have gone the the whole opposite direction says everybody's going to be saved regardless of what it is that you believe or what it is that you think or practice. And I think that is the silliest, most foolish thing we could ever think. You cannot add two plus three and end up with four. Somewhere along the way, we have, we, people have tried to push the narrow road. It's just too confining for me. It's not all-inclusive enough because, you know what, I want to go to heaven too, but I want to bring my junk along with me. I want to practice my sin along with the rest of the world. I don't want people to look at me like I am some conservative nut and freak. 
I don't want people to look at me like that. I want people to see that I'm cool and I'm hip and I'm up with the times and, you know, I'm just really, I, I got it going on and, and, and all of these things. And so we say it's too confining. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said, Jesus said these words. He said, enter the narrow gate. Who is he talking to? Everybody. It's an invitation to all. It is all-inclusive. But the narrow road has to stay narrow. Otherwise, it becomes just like the wide road. You see, we can't make two wide roads. There has to be a narrow road and there has to be a wide road. The wide one is the one where everybody says, we're just going to go have fun, just going to do our thing. We just want to, you know... Come on, let's go. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, and all of that. And the narrow road is the narrow road that says there is only one way to get to God, and it is through Jesus Christ. And what he has said is absolutely right because, in fact, there is absolute truth. And so we have to walk the narrow road. For those who say it's just not inclusive enough, listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. In verse 16, he's talking to this man who came to him at night, and he said, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The whoever is still the whoever. It's not just a few. It's not just a hand-selected pick of people that God in heaven has looked down and said, now it's you, not you, you, not you, not you. You, not you, not you, and you. God doesn't do that. It is whoever will believe, whoever will come after him, whoever will take up his cross and deny himself and follow Jesus. He is the one who is invited to come and to be there. Acts chapter 2 and verse 21 says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, for those who say it's not inclusive enough, the invitation, folks, is open to all. The problem is, is that many like the wide road because the wide road feeds flesh. It feeds your own desires. It feeds your own self. It's what you want out of life rather than what God wants. God has a higher standard for us folks and he doesn't just leave us to be able to somehow figure out how we're going to come up to that higher standard. No, he empowers us with his spirit to be able to live that higher standard and live above the dictates of our flesh and the world. And he says, come up a little bit higher and be like me. So it's too confining. Another part of this is that the world says, well, you know what? It's too condemning. They'll say that no one religion can be right. That if you say that you are the only correct one, then you are clearly narrow-minded. You're condemning others for not believing as you do. But you see, it's not about believing as we do. It is about believing what God has said in His Word. It's about following along with what God has said. Following along with what Jesus said. When Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. 
people stumble over that because they say, but wait a minute, there are parts of the world where the majority of the people in their societies worship something else or worship someone else. And are you going to tell me that their faith is wrong? We are confronted with that in this day and age. And I'm going to say this. I'm not the one to say it. Jesus said it. He said, no man comes to the Father but through me. You say, wait a minute, that's politically incorrect. I'm not sure I can go along with that. The politicians will get mad. The, the special interest groups will get mad. The, the, you know, the ACLU will get mad. Everybody's going to get mad if I say that. And brothers and sisters, all I can say is God is the one who has said it, not me. We have to follow according to what it is that the Lord has said. It may seem like it's condemning, and yet somehow the invitation is still open to all. It's open to every Buddhist. It's open to every Muslim. It's open to every individual who proclaims some other kind of faith and some other kind of worship. The invitation is to everyone to come along with Jesus and to walk with him and to enter through the narrow gate. He is the one who has said it, but people are trying to push it. They're doing unauthorized road construction we got to change this. It's not just one way. It's a few ways or a number of ways or any way you want. And folks, that in itself defies logic. In itself, it just defies spiritual logic. God says there's only one way to get to me. I sent my son Jesus on this earth to die on the cross for the sins of the world. I didn't then send some other prophet somewhere else to proclaim some other path and some other way that is opposed to the way that I chose in Holy Scripture. Why is God going to contradict Himself? He's not. So we have to follow the inspired Word of God. The Bible says this, for those who say it's too condemning, listen to John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, how? Through many different means? No, through Him. One way. Through Him. There is only one way. Then why do you feel condemned when somebody shares the truth of the Word of God? Why do people feel condemned as though somehow they're just, you know, coming under this great condemnation? It's not really clear why it is that many people feel so condemned, but I believe that one of the reasons is, is that they feel as though somehow they're condemned because they understand, at least in part, that they are sinners and that they have violated God's law. So how do they make it out? Well, the only way to make it out is to come through Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says that whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Listen, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. There are those in the world who are already in the place of condemnation. It is sure, it is secure, it is there. It is our job, it is our mission as Christians to show them that there is a way out from under that condemnation. And His name is Jesus. 
Jesus didn't come into the world to make people's lives miserable. He came into the world to give them hope and eternal life. He came into this world to save lost sinners. There is another way that we try to widen this narrow road. Unauthorized road construction happens when people begin to adapt the word to their lifestyles rather than adapt their lifestyles to the word. Adapt the lifestyle to fit the word of God. What do we do? We detract from the word. Well, we say things like, well, that can't be what it means. You know, you ever read in in Galatians chapter 5, there is a great passage of scripture about the deeds of the flesh. You know? And it's pretty obvious what the deeds of the... In fact, Paul says the deeds of the flesh, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And then he goes on to list them. And he gives the long list. We won't take time to read it. But he gives a list of all of those things. You ever read that list? And you think, no, you never kind of step back from the passage a little bit and say, no, what does Paul mean? Does he really mean that? Brothers and sisters, this is where we have to be very careful with the Word of God. The Word of God says what it says. We have to believe what it says. And we cannot take and detract from the Word of God and take away from what it says because our lifestyles are living in a, in a way that is not in line with what the Word of God says. Maybe it is we have to take a look, step back from the passage and say, God, help me to live the way the Word of God is telling me to live so that I can be the light that you want me to be in this dark world that's trying to push the narrow road sideways and widen it a bit so more can somehow feel more comfortable. Brothers and sisters, God has to help us not to take away from the Word of God. Not only that do we detract from the Word, but we also sort of detach ourselves from the Word. And we do that by saying this, well, that's not for me. That's for someone else. You know, how many of you can think of somebody who really needs this message today? Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're just not here. You see, when we do that, we are detaching ourselves from the Word of God, and we're saying, not for me. That's not for me. That's for, oh, God, get them into the house of the Lord. Well, I, I don't doubt that there's somebody else who, who isn't here today who might need the Word. But you know what? We, we do ourselves a disservice by somehow stepping back from it and saying, it's not for me. It's for somebody else. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, that person over on the other side of the church right now sitting over there, they're sitting over there. They need this one because I know what's going on. In no. That's detaching ourselves. It's saying, Lord, I'm not the one in need today. Well, maybe we are the one in need because we have that attitude. So we detach ourselves from the Word of God. We just sort of push it off onto somebody else. And here's something very dangerous that people do. And that is that they detest the truth of the Word. This is that attitude that says, you know what, don't shove your religion down my throat. Just don't do it. See, really it's more like the truth hurts and I can't take the pain anymore. In essence, that's what they're saying. I don't want to hear that. 
I don't like to hear it. That's not for me. I don't, I don't, don't feed that to me. Don't tell me about all of that. And the reason is, is that because when the word of God is shared, the Holy Spirit works through the word, gets into the heart of the individual and begins to make them feel the pain of their sin. The misery of their sin. This is why it's so important for us as believers to be ready and willing to share the word of God when God opens the door for us. Share the word because the word is what goes to the hearts of individuals. It's the thing that goes in deep. It cuts deep into the hearts and lives of people, the souls of individuals who need to be changed by the power of God. You can't do it as good as your story might be. It's going to be the word that will change them. Get the word into you so that then you can come to those who detest the truth and you can deliver the word and the word can be implanted in their hearts like a little seed that they didn't want in there but it's there and they can't can't get it out of here and it it grows who knows what god will do we have to be ready with the word of the lord because there are those who detest the truth of the word of god be ready to deliver it regardless of what it is that you're going through regardless of what you think regardless of how you feel that you'll come off as some kind of a maybe some kind of a religious nut some kind of a person who you know it's just you're not you're not cool because you're one of those religious people. You're one of those people. You know, be one of those people. Paul said it one, on one occasion, I believe to the Corinthian church, he said, you know what, I'm beside myself. He goes, I act like a fool, basically. To, to show you how much God is for you, how much God loves you, how much I love you, how much we care about you, and all of that. You know what, brothers and sisters, in the end, God has to baptize us anew and afresh with His love to be able to deliver a message of hope to those who detest the truth of the Word. God help us to do that. Now, there is another way that the narrow road gets pushed back. And that is, and this is where we as Christians have to be incredibly careful. And it is this. We adore the temporary as though it were eternal. We are here on this earth for a very short time. In the span of eternity, this is not even the head or the tip of a, of a needle in time. That's how long we are here. We are here for such a short time and we have to be very careful that we don't begin to adore that which is temporary and trade it off for that which is eternal. Listen to what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. The Bible says, and Paul says this, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. That's tough to do. If you're living according to the dictates of your flesh and what you want, what I want, that's hard to do. But if we are, as Paul says in other places, walking by the Spirit, it won't be so difficult to do. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. We have, you know, most of us walked in on some kind of pavement. There's some pavers out here on the front. They've been nicely laid. The landscapers did a great job. The city came in a few years ago. They re 
did the sidewalk on Devon Avenue, beautiful job, really beautified the street area uh, in, a, in a nice way. And you look at that and you walk on this pavement and you feel the hardness of that, that concrete underneath your feet. And we look at that and we think, that's going to be a, here a lot longer than I probably will. And yet even that which is hard, that which you walk on is not eternal. We have some steps here on the side, out in the back, going out the side door. And the winter created a little bit of a havoc, wreaked some havoc back here in the land. The land started to settle right back here by the door. Just this tough winter we had, that big snowstorm and however cold it was, all, all kinds of things happen underneath the ground. And, and for those who look at concrete steps, you think, man, it's gonna, just going to last a long time. But if you have a look at those steps out there, all of a sudden you'll see that the, the ground underneath it has settled and all of a sudden this tough, hardened concrete has now broken apart to where it looks like the steps are literally, in fact, the railing, the iron railing that was screwed in and bolted into the brick, the screws have been pulled out. We look at that and we think, you know, not even concrete is going to last all that long. All it takes is a little bit of a shift underneath where it's sitting, and it starts to crumble apart. Brothers and sisters, we have to be very, very careful about pursuing those things in our lives that are nothing more than temporary. Go after that which is eternal first. You pursue the temporary, and i got to tell you, all you're going to get out of it is a temporary moment of enjoyment. All you're going to get is a temporary high. All you're going to get is a temporary time of feeling good and happy and all of that. But in the end, if we do not pursue that which is eternal, then I guarantee you we cannot fix our eyes on what is unseen. What is unseen is eternal. That's what God has said through His Word, through the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, fix your eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen, because what is seen as hard as it may be as tough as it may be it's not eternal our economy has reminded us about how even our money the thing that we put our hope in each and every day you need it to live is not eternal that all of the things that we had trusted in not eternal all of the things that we pursue not eternal relationships we look at relationships and somehow we think Oh, high hopes, wonderful things going to happen in this relationship. Years down the road, all of a sudden, it looks like a couple is no longer in love. It looks like somewhere along the way, they lost their way, and now things are not the way they should be. Nothing is eternal in this life, in the flesh. Brothers and sisters, we have to pursue that which is eternal, and it is God. We have to go after Him with all of our heart, our soul, and our minds. You might be pursuing a position in the company 
that the company is opening up and they're saying, you know, we're expanding. And even in the midst of tough times, somehow our company is doing great. We're expanding and everything's good and we're creating new positions. And you're pursuing that position because you think if I can get that position, I'm going to be paid more money. I'm going to have job security. And you get into that position and all of a sudden, two years down the road, the company goes down the tubes and it tanks and they walk in with file boxes and say, okay, thank you for your time. Clean out your desk. It's time to go. Nothing is eternal in this life. We cannot allow ourselves to adore the temporary as though it were eternal. There is one final pursuit that we sometimes go after, and we have to be exceedingly careful about this. Please don't misunderstand me. It is the pursuit of morality without faith in Christ. There are those in this life who say, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a bad lady. I, you know, I've never robbed a bank. I'm not a bad person. I don't do bad stuff. I don't rip people off. I don't, you know, I haven't killed anybody. I, I haven't done any of those things. And it's the pursuit of morality without Christ. Brothers and sisters, Christ needs to be the center of our lives and be the one to dictate the morality that is found in the Word of God. There are those who will say on that day, but I was a good person. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. There are even going to be those who would say, but I said, Lord, Lord. I went to church. I, I even gave money to the church. I gave my tithe. I, I went out on the street witnessing one time. I didn't go again because, you know. I, I did all of these things. I even tried to, to live in a way that was honoring, you know, at least some, in some way to the Word of God. I tried to do that. But I didn't pray. Read the word. When it got to church, time for church, I just sat there like a bump on the log. Sat there with my arms folded as if somehow I'm just taking up space. No sense of God in my life, but I'm a good person. You know, brothers and sisters, we're pushing at the sides of the narrow road when we assume that somehow that which is temporary. Even that kind of morality is temporary because you don't even know what's going on in the heart of somebody. We have to be so careful how it is that we approach the narrow road. You see, the narrow road is open to all. Not just a few, it's open to all. But you know what? In the end, we have to approach the narrow road and say, Lord, this is the road that you built. I'm not going to try to improve on it. I'm not going to try to change it. There are a host of, of Christian leaders over the last decade or so who have forsaken the gospel of Jesus Christ. That which Jesus taught, doctrines that Jesus himself spoke about and talked about, and they've stepped back from it and they said, well, you know, that doesn't include enough people. I said, so you know what, here's what we're going to do, we just change it. There's a doctrine that a man who I, I used to love listening to preach, used to love listening to sing, Carlton Pearson, years ago. He had 
the power of God all over his life. Influential. He's now preaching what he calls a doctrine of inclusion. That is, everybody's going to be saved in the end. Doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't even matter how you live. Everybody's going to be saved. Well, who wouldn't want to come along with that? It just lets you stay right where, right in the mess that you're in. That's not what Jesus taught. In fact, one of his recent sermons, quote unquote, was entitled this. Get the hell out of my Bible. What he's saying is the doctrine of hell. Bad. Get it out of my Bible. It's in the Bible. You can't take it out unless you start ripping out pages, folks. The narrow road has to stay the narrow road because it's a divine road. It's God's road. Man didn't make it. He made it. And when he put his holy construction to work on the narrow road, it became the perfect road. You don't have to be perfect to walk in it. You don't have to be perfect to enter the narrow gate. You don't have to. That's the wonderful thing about it because the cross took care of that. He says, all you have to do is come in faith. And I'm going to help you to live the way the narrow road dictates. The world's still going to call it narrow the Bible calls it narrow, so why don't we call it narrow? It's the narrow road, but it's the best road. It's the road, it's the best road because it leads to everlasting life. He says the wide road leads to one place, destruction. I want the narrow road, don't you? I don't want to be part of trying to widen it. You can't. There are those who attempt, but they can't. I want to be part of the narrow road that says, Come on, let's bring as many people with us. As many as who will come, they can come. Can we bow our heads this morning? Right now, I want you to search your hearts and ask the Lord, Lord, have I in any way attempted to widen the narrow road? And if I have, Lord, help me. Help me to get in line with what it is that you want me to do and how you want me to live. I don't want to widen the narrow road. I want the narrow road to remain what it is, a road that leads to life.